You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And today we are here with Petra Walchrist. She is the Executive Director of Nebraskans for the Arts. Welcome, Petra, to our little podcast Welcome. today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, we're excited to, to do this with you. You just got back from a fantastic vacation, so I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk. Me too. I sh- next time, I'll have to uh, do the podcast from Sweden. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yes. <laughs> How was Sweden, by the way? <laughs> it was beautiful. There was snow... Uh, we actually arrived on Christmas Eve, which is the day that we celebrate in Sweden. Oh. So there was snow, and then Santa comes in person. So Santa came. He was a little lost for a while, wandering around with his light in the bushes. So my four-year-old <laughs> nephew had to, like, shout out the door, Santa, come here! And so Santa found his way. Unfortunately, oh. my dad was not there at the time. It was very unfortunate, but just as Santa came... He happened to be out. What a bummer. Oh, darn it. But, oh, um, cool. but oh, it's such a bummer. Uh, but my nephew didn't really miss him, so it was all okay. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> and we ate lots of Christmas food. And yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. Oh, neat. I follow a YouTuber that does um, videos about Sweden, and she said that their family sits around and watches some show. It's an older show, and I can't oh, think of what it is. Donald Duck. Yes. There it is. Yeah. 3 p.m. <laughs> Yes, it's that like is a, a must. You have to watch. We have to watch cartoons at three. Um, that is a Christmas tradition. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. She did a whole video on it. It was yeah. so, it's so yeah. hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you made it back, and we're just so happy to talk to you. Absolutely. Me too. Thank you. Well, and now, and uh, being the executive director of Nebraskans for the Arts, you are uh, fairly new. In this that position, is absolutely right. uh, congratulations yes. on the position. And yes. um, how did you uh, come to this position, may I ask? Oh, oh thank <laughs> you. Yeah, so I'm, I am still very new. I officially assumed the position in August. And mm-hmm. I had been on a board member of Nebraskans for the Arts back in 2013. So I was very familiar with the organization, of course, from my time as a board member. And actually was offered the position (laughs) I think it was maybe back in 2014 or so but the circumstances just were such that I couldn't accept it at the time so Mm -hmm. when it came up again Mm -hmm. in the summer it just felt kind of like that full circle and so I applied and and got the job and and then got started so it was kind of I think all just you know when the pieces just fall into place and you've just done so much so you've done performing arts and you've you did some kind of movement arts in Paris do you want to give us a little bit of glimpse into what you've done before sure so yes when I um I guess I've had all kinds of trajectories, as I think most many people in in the performing arts have. But when I was starting college, I was going to be a journalist because I thought I should have a sensible um, job option. And then when I arrived on campus, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because theater is my passion. And if I don't do it, I'll always regret it. So I just changed my major (laughs) as I stepped on campus and... um, and did theater instead. I was at the University of Kansas as an exchange student from Sweden. 
which I loved. I had such a wonderful time there and wonderful professors. And one of the, or two actually, two of my professors had trained at Lecoq. And so I was exposed to that kind of style of movement training. And then a few of us each year kind of would um, apply to go to the school in Paris, which is of course known for its movement training and neutral mask and some things like that. And the truth is that the reason I went there is actually because I was so terrible at, uh, I was really, really bad at movement. So, so I was just, yes, I, w I was really bad. And so I thought, well, I need to improve that. So I need to go and train. So, um, so that's how I ended up in Paris at a movement school. It wasn't because I was a shining star. It was really because I was terrible. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun in many ways. And in many ways, it was terrifying and, and, and awful, too, because it was pretty harsh. You know, our, our the teacher, Monsieur Lecoq himself, would usually stop you kind of in the middle of something you were doing and say that you were done because you were just so awful that he didn't want to see anymore. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, so, we, so it was a very interesting and, as I said, very formative experience, and I'm oh, so grateful for it. It did change you know, how I... <laughs> so, so that's how I ended up in Paris, and um, from there moved to London did some training in London as well, yeah. um, mostly because I was really bored with my full-time job and I needed to like do, get back to acting. So I did both at the same time, which Makes worked sense. great. And then eventually ended up here in, in Lincoln, Nebraska in 2008. So yeah, so you were at the London Center for Theater Studies and then, yeah. yes. and are you teaching at UNL and Wesleyan both? I used to, yes, I've taught at both those places. I taught at UNL particularly for, I think, seven years. Okay. I would teach the intro to theater classes and some acting classes, and I've done some teaching at Wesleyan too. But as I accepted this the ED role at Nebraskans for the Arts, that doesn't allow me time to teach at the same time. So, yeah. but that's, that's okay. I, I miss it though. I do, I do really like teaching, but fortunately I'm still involved with the nonprofit Blixt at yeah. Locally Grown that I co-founded with Becky Boson. We have a lot of awesome interns. So I still get to kind of have that student engagement that way. You have such a a diverse background. It's yeah, just, I think that's so funny yeah. because sometimes you feel like you're going in every direction yeah. or you have three different resumes at the same time. And then you <laughs> sometimes it all comes together and makes sense. But yeah. it takes a little while until you get to the point where it's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's maybe encouraging for young people who feel like they have to have one track. I think sometimes yes. these diverse and, and slightly strange things that we do I don't know that you ever regret them. I think they all come back and kind of yes. inform what you do and, and help you, even if it's not that linear path that sometimes we try to be on. Right. So I want to say that to anyone who's listening, who's no. worried about you know being all over the place, uh, give, give you some, some hope that it's probably going to turn out exactly how it's supposed to. And you'll be really grateful for those um, weird experiences that you've had. Yeah, you got to get a little bit from a, a lot of different places. Uh, that's it makes you a better rounded kind of person to get to instead of just a one track, you know, yeah, kind of mind. Right. You grew up in Sweden. Yeah, so, I grew up in Sweden. Yeah. So was it was it a hard paradigm shift to because now you're dealing with our government, which is just a confusing mess anyway. Um, is it is it really like culture shock at all or well? 
It's funny that you should say that because Sweden was actually without a government for about three oh. months for a while. So there's, there's been probably a whole lot of mess everywhere. Oh um, That's funny. <laughs> so I think for me, you know, it's interesting because I've actually lived out of Sweden longer than I lived in Sweden. I yeah. moved when I was 19, not necessarily with the view to be gone for that long. It's just how it happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is what So now, of course, I've lived outside of of um, sweden for more than 19 years <laughs> i'm not gonna say i haven't <laughs> but so so sometimes i can have culture shocks both ways you know sure moving from london to nebraska was definitely there was a lot of things to learn and and relearn and and get used to i'm really lucky i think that i I feel very strongly about Nebraskans, particularly. They're kind of my favorite people. And um, I like our state very much, particularly when you get out in in greater Nebraska. I just feel like we have so much innovation and so many wonderful people. It's a very action-oriented state. I feel like people here really do a lot. They just don't talk about it, but they make things happen. And I think you can make things happen here perhaps easier than in some other places because it is such a can-do attitude. So I'm lucky that I really enjoy all of that. And so that makes it less of a culture shock in that way because I really like the people. But sometimes I have culture shocks both ways. You know, I come back to Sweden and I'm like, why was that person so rude? And my mom's like, what are you talking about? They were perfectly lovely, but I'm kind of used to a little bit more of a bubbly sort of, you know, attitude in store. So it's all, you know, I think you take the best things from all places you've been to and tried to, you know, put it together. (laughs) Absolutely. I kind of get frustrated with our, how things run in our country and our state. And sometimes it it feels like things are happening too slowly. And so I I just wondered how, how that looked to you from the outside. Things move slowly. (laughs) Yeah, I think actually they happen a lot faster here than in Sweden in some ways, uh, which can be good and bad because because, you know, when things move at a little slower pace, you can also perhaps achieve a little bit more of a work-life balance, which mm-hmm. I know that is always hard for me to, yeah. you know, I'm, it's that kind of elusive thing that you're always striving for because I'm, I tend to be busy and I think no matter what I do, I'd always be busy. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I just, I just want peace. Right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think sometimes there's, a, you know, that might be a little easier in Sweden because there's a, a slightly... I think it's a little slower pace of life. Yeah. So for people who don't know what Nebraskans for the Arts is, what what would you, how would you ex- describe it? Yes, for sure. So Nebraskans for the Arts is an, ad, it's really our state's advocacy organization for the arts and arts education in the creative sector. So uh, we really work on behalf of all organizations in in the state not uh, you know including individual artists of course our teachers schools nonprofits small businesses everyone who's um, part of the creative economy we are trying to look out for for them and part of that is keeping an eye on legislation and supporting legislation that's really positive for the creative sector or perhaps um, objecting if we feel like legislation would not have a positive impact and uh, and in general connecting constituents with their senators to be able to advocate about issues that are important to them when it comes to the creative economy uh, 
let people know about funding opportunities for them and also keep on kind of um, keep an eye on the federal legislation so that we can also either advocate for that or let people know. Um, and speaking of a federal, we do have a house hearing is happening here on the 19th of January. This is actually a historic event because there hasn't been a hearing on the creative economy before. Oh, okay. And yeah, so it's, it's actually a big, so it's a big deal. And the organization that's called Be an Arts Hero, um, they've really been working hard for, for a few years to secure this hearing. And, uh, and it's really for the creative economy to be heard and for the committee, the small business um, committee to be able to contemplate future legislation or perhaps encourage them to pass current legislation that would benefit the creative economy. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, so that's pretty exciting. And there's, it's two hours long and they can have four witnesses. So those witnesses have already been selected, but there is an opportunity for anyone else, including anyone in the state of Nebraska who's part of the creative economy to also submit their testimony in written format. We need to do that by Monday, the 17th, so a couple of days before the hearing. Uh, but there is that chance to to submit your story if you have a story. And particularly, you know, this this is called the, the power, the peril and the promise. And so it's, it's a hearing that has a view, of course, to COVID and the impact that COVID has had on the creative economy, but also since we're talking about the promise, you know, it's also that, you know, what what the creative economy can do to also be a positive force when it comes to dealing with COVID, which we've seen so many countless stories. And so anyone who has a story that they would like to share and particularly maybe mm -hmm. to um, then encourage uh, Congress what they can do for to to pass legislation either immediate when it comes to sort of COVID relief, but also with a view on future sustainability and really utilizing uh, the power of the creative economy, because we know that there's a lot of goodness there. So we want to make sure that that gets heard. So if anyone's interested in submitting uh, a testimony story, I have a handy template and would be more than happy to communicate with anyone and, and send them those resources so that anyone who wants to be part of that hearing, even though, you know, we won't be right. heard as such, we will still be, the, the testimony would be part of, of those files. Oh, wonderful. And we can put the link in the show notes or on social media for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And then speaking of advocacy, so you've got your your Arts Advocacy Day. Yes, yeah, coming, coming up. up February 16th. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's right. And you're going to go virtual this year again, and like you did last year. you're doing it virtual year. this year, you said? That's right. So we had planned on doing it in person at, in Ashland. We were, normally this takes place at the Capitol, but this year we were not able to be there because of there's so much construction going on. So we okay. thought, uh, take that as an opportunity and take it on the road. And what better place than Ashland? Yeah. We thought that would be wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, COVID had slightly different plans for us, yes. so we will now go. <laughs> we will go virtual, and that is absolutely okay because we do want to do our part in keeping people safe. Yes. And um, and we know from last year when it was virtual that we can really have still have very successful um, events. So so that is that is just fine, and we still haven't given up on having an in person event. We're just thinking that we'll do that. A little later in the spring when hopefully our numbers 
when it comes to COVID look a little better. Um, and also, you know, we just love to get together and celebrate together all the wonderful mm -hmm. things that are happening in the, you know, creative sector all across our state. So we will, we will hope to be able to do that still. But for Arts Advocacy Day, our main purpose is really to go over kind of federal and state updates when it comes to legislation that's relevant to the creative sector and then connecting constituents uh, from the same district with their senator to be able to advocate and tell their stories. And we can still do that even when we're in a virtual format. Mm -hmm. So we will do that on February 16th. And then hopefully later in the spring, we can get together and have a kind of more celebratory um, in-person event okay yeah that's April. so what how are you always looking for people to be advocates or how would someone who's interested in being yeah. an advocate what would they do and what would that look like that's a great question you're absolutely right we are always looking for people to be advocates uh, we have advocacy day once a year but that doesn't mean that we only advocate one yeah. day yes. a year uh, because we it is really important um, that we have that we know what's going on in, in all the districts in Nebraska. And if there are things that we can see trends across, you know, and there are things that we can do to be helpful, we want to do that. And of course, uh, you know, like we were kind of talking about before we started recording the idea that advocacy can seem like a very intimidating word and something that maybe, you know, what does it mean? Yeah. And it, it sounds sort of big and formal, but of course we all advocate all the time. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we talk yeah. about, you know, hey, you should watch that show. It's really good. Or, um, yeah. you know, try out this restaurant. And, and we're just always kind of advocating about things that are important to us. Or, you know, maybe they're not, you know, just kind of showing our, our, our mindset and why, you know, we think that perhaps other people would, would agree with that. And so it's not like advocacy isn't something that everyone does all the time. We just don't really think of it that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think having that year round connection to advocates is really important for us. And we do have something called the Nebraska Arts Advocacy Network, which people can join. And that's really for those people who want to be part of this kind of grassroots effort of um, staying in touch with their senators or listening to other people in the community about what could be helpful and then seeing if, you know, what we can do all together um, yeah. To, to help that yeah. or lift stories up that are really positive and can inspire others. So yeah. um, that is yeah. that is a really important aspect to bring up. I think that, yes, we have we have one day that's called Arts Advocacy yeah. Day, yeah. but we definitely love for people to be involved with us all year round. So the the group, how would someone find that particular group? Yeah, so you can go on our website, which okay. is nebraskansforthearts.org, and you can find it there, and there's a little form that you can fill in, and then that will go straight to me. Okay. But, of course, anyone's always welcome to just email me as well. It's just Petra at nebraskansforthearts.org, and if you're interested, um, that works great, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so with them joining that group, do, do they meet on a regular basis, or how, how does that work? And it's a... Yeah, great question. It's a very new group. I think it was formed in April um, before I came on board. And uh, there was a meeting at that point. And then we've had a few kind of informal sort of briefings or the Zoom over lunch um, kind of things. But 
this group has never actually met in person. It was going to be Arts Advocacy right. Day. It was right. going to be the time. Uh, it will not. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's been virtual kind of and, and quite informal ways to connect uh, oh, so far. Oh, wonderful. But again, you know, it's, it's developing as we're going since it's new. So we can also change anything and it can be kind of what, what the members want it to be. But so far it's been, it's been virtual and kind of quite ad hoc. I see. So are, are you talking to legislatures on other days than besides your Arts Advocacy Day? So will someone find yeah. you in Lincoln talking to these people or <laughs> how does that work? So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm learning it as I go. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, so as a as a continuation of Arts Advocacy Day, we will have. Uh, last year, I think we had about thirty meetings with senators. Um, so it wasn't necessarily me meeting with them; it was the constituents from the district speaking to the their own senator because we know that senators really want to hear from people who live in the district that they represent. Yeah. Uh, but then there are, of course, times when if we're advocating for a particular bill um, and they might not be and just sort of district specific it might be something that's um, you know we have a, a bill right now for art therapists for example and so we just met with a senator last week so um, again it's more important for them to talk to the senator because they're the experts and can explain why this bill is important to them but I can kind of go along and, and help um, yeah. just Right. Be, you know, with some context and, and that sort of thing. So and sometimes just finding out more where a bill is. So there's definitely um, all kinds of communication that's happening um, with senators and their their aides, too. So Wow, we are so thankful to have you and the people who advocate for all of the arts. Absolutely. Well, well really you were advocating to- with this podcast. You were <laughs> lifting up the arts and advocating all the time. So we're grateful to you. Well, well thank you. Trying, but- um, I we, we probably can't make the kind of change that you can make. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I actually don't think <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think the change happens when people join together. It's not, you know, I can't do it on my own. So but it's more that I can maybe get other people together who can then advocate for for a bill. So I do think that you you're go. you're probably doing a lot more than you think. Oh, well, thank you. Well, we like to keep the discussion going and we like for people to be able to feel like somebody's talking about it and they can just turn us on when when they Yes. are driving to to work or whatever. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Because we were talking about earlier about the whole arts advocacy thing and and how that seems sort of it seems sort of intimidating when you say it like that, and 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 just the classification itself, arts and advocacy. And you were specifically talking earlier. Maybe we need to change up the definition a little bit to make it a little more relatable. Yeah, I think so. Because I think um, sometimes when we say the arts, uh, people have a kind of maybe narrow view of what that means, and they might think, "Well, I'm not an artist, or I don't go to the ballet, yeah. so therefore the arts have no relation to me." And I think that um, if we change kind of our, our mindset or perhaps our language a little bit and think of it as the the creative you know just creative sector or creative people everyone is creative in their own way whether you're uh, a problem solver as an engineer or you're cooking at home and trying all kinds of spices or you like dye your hair and you want to be creative that way I mean we're all creative 
just in, in different ways. It doesn't mean that we make our living as an artist or that, and, and, you know, even if people say, well, I don't go to the theater. Well, I bet you watch Netflix, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, we're all, exactly. we all participate in the creative sector and we're all creative ourselves. And so I think that sometimes we just have to kind of widen that definition of what it means. And there's just not a person on this planet who, who it's not relevant to. I think it's just shifting that mindset a little bit about how we define artists. And we were just, you know, talking about obviously with COVID, we've really seen the huge power of creatives. I mean, every most people at the beginning, they said that was the thing that got them through was watching the, um, watching new series on TV, maybe listening to podcasts, artists doing their own little like impromptu concerts from their couches, um, getting together, doing Zoom readings. I mean, people, and, and we truly saw the creativity and the problem solving and the community that people in the arts have. And, and that was really apparent. And I think, um, I think now more than ever, people have an understanding and appreciation for what that creativity uh, can do for us as a community, as a society, as a country. And also, if you look at what people are looking for in workforces, it's always that ability to think outside of the box, someone who can um, apply a different thinking. And that's all the creativity. And so I think that, you know, instead of thinking that the arts mean this one little thing, if we widen our thinking to encompassing all that creativity which everyone has which is useful in everything no matter what you do um, Mm -hmm. I think that that can really help us also with the the conversation around the creative economy how much it truly contributes to our to our economy to our souls to our children to everything and so I think that way uh, it's harder to say well that's not relevant to me or somehow it doesn't affect me because that truly affects everyone and it's important to everyone and we know particularly when there's quite a bit of division going on how do we bridge that gap well we do it through humanity and the arts and creativity is like your go-to when it comes to to meeting as human beings and putting some of those other things aside and so I really feel like now more than ever, there is the understanding, there is the appreciation. And, and I feel like we've just scratched the surface yet of what the creative um, sector truly, truly brings um, to everyone. So I'm, I'm hopeful Absolutely. and excited to keep having those conversations. I'm really hoping that when the arts, when, when everything kind of comes back, that um, we'll find additional people who have found um, a hobby. Like I know some yeah. people who took up gouache painting and someone else who's been baking every kind of bread underneath the sun. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Know, um, so no, we'll I... find some resurgence and find some new people to yeah. be able to patronize those, those businesses and those theaters. And Absolutely. And new ways of yeah. thinking of, of the arts, you know, and rather than confining it to maybe brick and mortar buildings, but truly recognizing everyone who's out there um, contributing to the creative 
sector, whether you're doing it out of your own home or, you know, as a collect, there's just, I think that there's so much going on and we've seen so much innovation during this time also, because uh, when you couldn't do things perhaps in the traditional way you'd been doing it, you had to think of other ways of doing it. So we've seen a lot of innovation and, and um, I, I hope that that, that we can keep those great aspects as we move um, forward and, and then hopefully bring all the other possibilities back as well. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm excited for when that, when that time comes, whenever that's going to be. Yes. <laughs> Cause you're really encompassing food and all of that. Restaurants yeah, and absolutely. And we know that those are all things that affect where people want to live. You know, you want to live where there's great things to enjoy beauty, culture, great food, great people. I mean, those, those are all things that make a community attractive yeah. to people. So it's, I think, um, we want it all, include it all. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say, is there one particular thing that is, I know you accomplished a lot last year, but is there one particular thing that you're hoping to accomplish in 2022? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I think I think beyond a sort of specific piece of legislation for 2022, I think um, working more on establishing that communication between um, all Nebraskans and Nebraskans for the arts so that we can have that pipeline of learning more quickly what's going on in the different districts and particularly if we can um, have more opportunities for people to hear from each other so that we can hear what are the common the commonalities and I think that will also help us to know kind of where we need to put our effort going forward so I'm excited about um and, and part of that will be through the Nebraska Arts Advocacy Network like I talked about so mm -hmm. I think I'm excited about strengthening that so that we can um kind of have have that two-way communication going throughout the year and I think that will help us um, be even more effective. Yeah well wow congratulations thank you so much for all that you do and congratulations yes. on this new job and um, oh, thank you and taking it on and we're just really <laughs> thankful for you. Well I, I appreciate that and of course thankful to the to Doug particularly yeah. who had this job. Yes. Before me and also Skylar, who was the interim um, director and kept everything going for uh, a good few months, about eight months in between. So yeah. okay. not something I'm doing alone, of course. Right. I'm so excited for the Advocacy Day and I'm so happy that you came on and talked to us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Petra Walquist, the Executive Director of Nebraskans for the Arts. Thank you again, Petra, for talking with us today. Now... Just a recap of the two dates we discussed. Be an Arts Hero is holding the hearing on power, peril, and promise of the creative economy on January 19th. You can add your voice to the testimony by emailing it to Petra at NebraskansforTheArts.org. And also, Arts Advocacy Day will be virtual again this year on February 16th and begins at 8 a.m. and ends at noon. Registration is open now on their website at nebraskansforthearts.org. 
Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard. Thank you.